media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Well, as you're seated this morning, open your Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 21. Have you ever been to a rest area or maybe Six Flags Disney World, maybe even a shopping mall, and you, you needed to get your, your orientation back? And so you looked for one of those big signs that they have at places like that that say, you are here. And it's, you know, it's, it kind of gives you two things. Number one, it gives you the bearings of where you are at that moment. So you're, you can say if you're Disney World, okay, I'm at this place in Disney World. If you're at a rest area, you're going, okay, this is where I am in the state of Virginia as you start to travel through. But it also tells you a little bit of where you're going. Because of that spot, you can say, okay, here's where I am. But it also kind of gives you a look into where you are going. Well, can you imagine if there was a you are here for your life? I don't know if that would be the greatest thing ever or if that would be the scariest thing ever. You know, that we would have this place where God just would reveal to us, you are here. Here's where you were born, and here's where you are going to go to school, and here's where you get married if you're going to marry. Here's where you have children if you're going to have children and start a family. Here's where you became a grandparent, and, and here's where you're going to retire, and here's where you're going to die. Uh, some of that would be helpful. I think it would be building hope in us. Uh, some of it could be a little bit frightful because uh, all of a sudden, especially if you knew, okay, we're going to die on this date. I don't know if we would live in anxiety to that or anticipation of that, of just knowing that we're going to be with God. Well, in one way, that sort of information would seem invaluable. It would give us a perspective for each moment of our life, and it would kind of give us the big picture. Well, that's what the Bible does in many, many ways, especially spiritually. As we travel as these creations of God that God has made us, uh, he gives us the word of God to say, okay, you are here. And we can start in Genesis and we can go all the way through Revelation. And God, through his word, kind of says, okay, this is where you are at as far as in terms of human history. And we find that in his narrative, we begin to kind of uh, see, okay, this is where we are in in all of biblical history. Uh, I've shared with you many, many times this picture. Uh, One day when I'm I'm gone from here, if you don't remember my name, that's okay. If you don't remember this, that, and the other, that's okay. I hope that you would remember this. Because in the complexity of the Bible, remember last week we said how wide the Bible is? And then we begin to see how deep the Bible is. It can be overwhelming to us. And yet, it really is just one story. And the four parts of the story, I I just want us to grasp so that we kind of know where we are, but also where we're going. The four parts of the story, creation, that God in his love and his majesty, for his desire and for his glory, he created us and he gave us life. He created Adam and Eve along with all the other parts of creation. In our rebellion, Adam and Eve, we, we, they kind of want it their own way. And so they rebelled against God. We call this sin. And in that sin came what we call the fall. And they fell from the, 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 the relationship that they had with God. They were kicked out of this place that he had created with them that was totally beautiful. 
Everything was kind of lost at that moment. And so there's this fall. And at that moment, as we saw in Genesis 3.15, we needed a rescuer. But what we saw that already in Genesis 3.15, that God already had a plan to send a rescuer. His name would be Jesus, the Messiah. And so the world waited. They waited for this redeemer, this rescuer. And our focus last week was on the redemption that we received, to, re, to be bought back. The, something that would pay that price for us, and that was the focus last week. But this week we're going to come to the last part of this four-part story, this big story of the Bible, and that's what we call restoration. A lot of people say, well, that's the end times. It's what we often refer to as heaven for those who uh, put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you right up front, not everybody's going to go to heaven. You know, do all dogs go to heaven? That moon I'm going to leave with, with God. Okay, I don't know. Okay. But not all people go to heaven because it is where we've placed our trust and our faith. Do I think that I can earn this? Do I feel like I can work my way? I'm a good person? Or do I realize that in my sin there's only one who is a sufficient Redeemer, Savior, Messiah? And I place all of my trust in God's provision of Jesus and by become what we just sang about. Highly favored of God. Not because we are so good, but because of his righteousness. When we look in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that not only did he forgive our sin, but he took all of the rightness of Christ, all of his righteousness, and he imputed it into those who had placed their trust and faith in him. It's this great exchange, theologians call it. It's this beauty of the gospel. And because of that, one day there's a promise for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it is that we will be with him forevermore. We may not know the exact date. We may not know the exact time. But we can look at the Bible and we can look and say, you are here. And where are we? We're between the two advents. The Redeemer has come. The first coming of Christ is there, and we're waiting for this second coming. And so in this middle time, as we await the second advent of Christ, the Bible tells us this is where you are. This is where the church is. This is where you are as an individual. And because God has been so faithful in all of his promises concerning the first advent, we can have every assurance and we can, our hope can be built as we await this second advent and this word restoration. If you turn on our TV at home, uh, since it's not baseball season, uh, because during baseball season, you're going to get the Braves. It's like permanently locked in there. But uh, off season, it's probably going to be either a cooking show or one of the home restoration shows. Think Chip and Joanna or something like that. You know, that it's going to be on one of those two things. Uh, we really like, I love the whole thought of restoration. I like when something is broken and torn and, and this whole thought of somebody coming in and restoring the former beauty, taking an old house and returning it to a home. It's just something I, it endears my heart, it excites me. And so we watch a lot of those shows. And in a way, that's what we see in the Bible with this second advent. We see a world that has been broken by sin, we see bodies that have been broken by sin. Would you agree with that? That your bodies are feeling the, the pain of this sinful rebellion against God? And we see all these all this brokenness in our world, and we're going, okay, yes, this is where we are right now. But it's not the final chapter yet. God shows us what's ahead. As much as it tells those signs tell you where you are, it, it gives hope that here's where you are. 
I mean, here's where you're going. And so when we open up the Bible this morning, Revelation chapter 21, it's one of the last two chapters. Now remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. We've added those later on so that we could say, turn to Revelation chapter 21. But this was one revelation that John got from God, and so it's he didn't have chapters and verses. But this is near the end of that revelation. And in this book of what God revealed to the Apostle John, we see what is going to happen when Jesus comes again. Now, when it comes to end-time events, it's probably one of the frequent questions I get. You know, what do you think about the end times? I, say, I think three things. God is coming back, or that Christ is coming back, because that's assured. That those who have put their faith and trust in Him are secure in that finished work of Christ, and He's given us a job to do. Those are the three things I know, and so I can act upon those things. All this other stuff about who's the Antichrist and when's this going to happen and is it going to be a, a pre-trib, post-trib, I, guys, I could make a biblical case for a lot of different theories that are out there. So I say let's focus on the three things that we know. He is coming back. <laughs> the saved are secured not because we're good at holding on, but because he has already finished the work in us. And he's certainly given us a job to do until he does come back, and that is to make much of Christ, to be these lights in a darkened world. And so as we begin to see that this morning, now we get to the end of this revelation that God gave to the Apostle John, and we begin to see kind of the end of the end of the story. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 3. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. There's some variance between scholars and uh, uh, theologians uh, about the nuance of this word new. This word that's used there for new, new heavens, a new Jerusalem, uh, all, this, just, all these things that are described as new. Th- that Greek word can mean a couple things. It's not like this tight word. It actually has a, a little bit of breadth to it. And it can mean new in character. I mean, that's actually what it means, new in character. And it can go anywhere from total annihilation that God at this point just annihilates the old and makes the new. Or it can mean a total restoration of something. Kind of like it's a house where you're restoring that house. You know, as I've pondered that theologically... I don't care how God does it. I really don't. If he's going to annihilate the old, the old, you know, this earth is just going to be blown into smithereens and he makes a new heavens and a new earth, that's fine with me. All I know is this. God has had this plan in place for all eternity. God is not sitting there going, you know, should I just blow it up and start over? Should I do like some, you know, fine tuning here? Should I do this? God has it figured out and I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But let's not miss the point. We have suffered a fall. 
And even though the Redeemer has come, we haven't seen the finished work as far as uh, what the last chapter of what that looks like. Certainly, all that is needed for our salvation has been done. That work is finished. Christ never has to, Hebrews tells us, he doesn't have to go back up on the cross. He doesn't have to do that every time somebody comes to know him. Okay, That work is done. But God continues this story until we are together in heaven, all those who have placed their trust and their faith in Christ. Now, notice how this restored, uh, it says uh, in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. This restoration has a, a component of a spiritual dwelling with God, but also a physical dwelling with God. God already, if you're, if you put your faith and trust in the finished word of Christ, God is already with you. And He's there spiritually and He's there really physically. If you want to say, He's, He lives in you. The very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is, is with you. But there's going to be a realization that, that will happen on this day that we will just know, like when we're sitting here, we'll just be with God like it was in the Garden of Eden. Remember in the cool of the evening, God would come and be with Adam and Eve. There, there was truly a, a spiritual Relationship, but there was this physical relationship. And this promise that's revealed is that we're going to be with God. The fellowship that was lost in Genesis 3, when they said you have to leave the garden, restored by this work of Christ. Can you imagine what it's going to be with God, what it'll be like to be with God continually? I mean, he's continually with you now. Let's get our theology right. But are we continually with him in a way? As far as just our mental processes and our thoughts and all, no, man, we're just wavering all over the place. And that's why sometimes, Ricky, like you were explaining before, we get all these thoughts that just start to bombard our head and our hearts. But look what he says. That we're going to be with him forever. Continually. No separation, no distance, no darkness ever. In this life, do you experience darkness? I mean, we could all give a hearty amen to that. Sometimes more darkness than others. But no darkness there. In fact, if you look down a little bit, look down at verse 23. I love this. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the lamp is the, the lamp. Who's this lamb? Christ. Didn't that just encourage you this morning? In a world where we have times of darkness, where we have dark days, dark moments, sometimes dark weeks or months in our lives, that he says, okay, when you get to this place, when he does the final restoration, there won't be darkness anymore, for God himself will be the light. Christ the Lamb will be the light of heaven. Now, again, my mind, my human mind can probably grasp that much of it, okay? But our prayer this morning, by the truth of God's word, God, will you expand that? Will you kind of grow that a little bit? So that maybe even in my humanity that I I would be able to understand a little bit more, have that much more hope, that much more excitement of what you're going to do in the finality of of all of human history. Now now notice how this restored life is described in verse 3. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. 
God himself will be with them. There's a, there's an intimacy there, but there's also kind of this, this purposeful looking to make much of God, but to make much of what God is creating. There is a corporate effect of this that will take place. We will be, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we will be the people of God. Not all people. Not everybody. You know, God's created everybody. But if we don't put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, our good works, our best efforts are not going to get us there. Uh, who's the them, the they, and the them? The people who have trusted Christ and Christ alone. He says that we're going to be a people. What kind of people? God's people. Has that sunk, has that truth ever sunk into your mind? I mean, this weekend, my people are coming to my house. <laughs> my people. My daughters, my son-in-laws, my grandchildren, my people are going to be with me. Grasp this, Christian. God says that when we get to heaven, <laughs> the same feelings I have about my daughters, my people, this intimacy that I call my clan, my tribe, this will be throughout the kingdom of God. You might say, well, I don't know. There's a couple of Christians. I don't know that I want to be my... No, God will give you a heart and you will go to even that one that maybe you had a little bit of friction with on earth. You're going, oh, okay, I love you, but I only love you in Jesus. <laughs> He's going to give you such a purity of love. Can you even begin to grasp that? That you would love all those who are gathered in the kingdom as much as you love your people right now. This is the promise of God. This isn't our hope that somehow we've got to be like the Grinch and our heart grew three sizes that day. No, he took out the heart of stone and he put in a heart of flesh. And through the finished work of Christ, he will give us this love to where when we get to heaven, even those people that maybe graded us a little bit, when they are in Christ, we'll go, my people... Isn't that amazing? Now, again, my mind doesn't conceive that right now. I'm going, I hope they're on the other side of heaven. But on that day, God will create in us, because of what he has done, this love for his people. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. This restoration, because of the absence of sin, will mean that there will be an absence of things that sin brought to us. Please make that connection. God's not just saying, okay, I kind of tidied up the place because I knew you were coming. No. What caused mourning? What caused tears? What caused dying and pain? Sin, our rebellion. And when that is finished and done, and, and it's already done, the work of Christ is finished, but when we see the full completion of that, we will be in a place where there is no tears. There are no tears. There are no, there is no death. There's no more mourning, no more pain. Everything that God originally created in His perfection now will be completed in Christ. I don't believe it will be ever in danger of being lost again. 
Adam and Eve were created perfect, but they were created infallibly perfect. In other words, they had a choice. They, they had the ability to sin. Because this work is dependent on Christ and His finished work, we're secure, guys. We won't get to heaven and then have a bad day. This is all done because God loved us so much that He sent a son. And that son died in our place and forgave our sins and not only forgave our sins, but imputed His rightness to us. I get us all the time of what kind of bodies we're going to have in heaven. Now I can tell them, not this one. <laughs> I can assure you it won't be this one. <laughs> I don't know. Some have speculated, well, you know, when Adam and Eve, when God first created Adam and Eve, what age were they? Well, they were one second old, one second into creation. But did they look like a one second old or a 21-year-old or a 25-year-old? We don't know. But it kind of goes back to last week. Sometimes we can't know the plan, but we can trust the planner. And, and, and here's what I want you to gather this morning. We may not know what it looks like, but I can trust the artist. I can promise you the artist is going to have one of perfection. Have you ever heard of the painting? Uh, there are several paintings actually by this Latin phrase, ecce homo. Has anybody ever heard of that? Uh, this is the words that... Uh, uh, Pilate, there, Christ, behold the man. That's the Latin for it. And there's been a lot of different paintings over time for that. And uh, this painting was done in Spain years and years ago. And it was in Mercy Church in Spain. Um, the artist is uh, uh, Elias Garcia Martinez. And this fresco that was painted over age, you know, it began to age and, and parts of the, the painting came off. And it began to look like this. Show that next picture. And so, you know, there it is. It's, it's not looking like new or anything. And so this person decided to restore it. And then had done a little bit of restoration or anything. That wasn't her professional job. But she was kind of this amateur art restorer. And so she decided that she would, out of the goodness of her heart, restore this painting. And this is what it turned out to look like. Go on to that next now this is a famous, this is true, you can look it up, and it's true, this really did happen. Here's what I know, okay, <laughs> here's what I know, that my restoration is in the hands of the original artist. There is not going to be this time when, I'm going, that is not the body that I wanted to be restored. It's not going to be like this. God himself will restore what he perfected in the first place. I mean, I'm sure this lady meant well, but she didn't have the talent, the ability to restore the beauty of this original piece. But do you think God does? Do you think he can take your life, your physical body, everything about you, your, your every aspect of, of who you are, and then he can bring total restoration back to perfection. Folks, we are here between the first advent and the second advent. And we are awaiting this restoration by God the artist that has been promised. In fact, the very last chapter of the Bible, again, we broke it up into chapters, but if the very end, I would say that on most of your Bibles it would be the last page of the written word that we have. Listen to this. 
Revelation chapter 22, verse 6 and 7. And he said to me, these words are what? Trustworthy to me. You can count on this. You can get, this is truth. This isn't a wish. This isn't a, oh, cross my fingers, I hope. God says to the Apostle John, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. In one way we can say, well, you know, he said soon and it's been 2,000 years. Uh, Very similar to the promise of the Messiah in Genesis 3.15, remember? There's going to be this promise of a rescuer that's coming. And yet there was thousands of years. There's centuries that would pass. Even 400 years of total darkness, of, of just no word from God. And yet we read in the New Testament at the perfect time, not a second too early, not a second too late, God delivered his promise. And while you and I may kind of waver back and forth, okay, uh, Christ kind of hold off right now until my kids get at least here because I want to see them do this or that. Or those days where I go, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You know, we kind of go back and forth in all of our mentality as believers and as followers of Christ. I believe with all my heart, that this promise is that Christ will come back not a second too early and not a second too late. That God is working His plan to perfection. Revelation twenty two twelve. Behold, I am coming soon. And then look at the last two verses of the Bible. We started in Genesis. We're going to end with the last two verses of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. This is where, this is where we are. And he shows us enough of this map to say, okay, this is where you're going. And until that day, we live in this hopeful anticipation. But we have enough of these hints. We have enough of this scripture, this truth of God that is trustworthy and true that we can say, I just know that I know that I know that this is what God's going to do. We are the most blessed people. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his work as we're the most best blessed people who have ever lived. And so is everybody else. And this is our hope. This is our Advent season. That we celebrate the first Advent and we wait in anticipation. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace in the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. There's a finality that in many ways is just the beginning of real life. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for the encouragement of your word and, Father, this hope that we have. And it's not just a cross-your-fingers kind of hope. We wish this will happen. Father, this is based on your word, and your word, Father, is trustworthy and true. So, Father, we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't even know how it's going to happen. We don't know what our bodies are going to look like. We don't know a lot of things, but we do know this. 
that you are our God and we will be your people. And we will be a people. In the same way that I feel about my wife and and, and my daughters and, and my immediate family, Father, I will feel that of every believer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for that promise. No more mourning, no more crying, no more tears, no more darkness. For you, God, and the Son, the Lamb, will be our light forevermore. But until that day, Father, encourage us. Hold us. Father, build our faith based upon your word. For Father, this this time between the advents, it's so easy for us to get discouraged. Father, this advent season, let us turn our eyes upon you and trust in the finished work of Christ. Build our hope even this day as we pray all these things in Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook. Facebook.